God has been placing on the hearts of Honduran national preachers that are not of the Tulapan tribe to move there. Uh, so the man that was making bricks and building it, Pastor Marvin, uh, there he's not Tulapan. He's not from that area. God, uh, a few years ago, laid on his heart to move his family out there and begin starting churches out there. And when he got out there, he found these, he found these people ready for the gospel. And, and a big part of that was the fact that they had these audio Bibles and that we had been out there preaching the gospel before he got out there. So it was a, it was a case of uh, we got to plant and then he came along and watered and God gave the increase. And uh, it's, it's amazing. Apparently God can actually get things done without me. I know it's weird, right? <laughs> it's like God, God can actually be working even, even when we are unable to, to be there, even when we have no idea what is going on or if anything is going on, God has been working. And, and it's just, oh, it's unbelievably uh, encouraging to, to get to come back and, and share that uh, with you guys for, for y'all to see what God has, has been doing uh, with, with your prayers and with your support uh, for, for us, for me and my family. And for our ministry, I mean, God is, is moving. And that's just one place. What God is doing in Uganda is, oh, man, I'm, I, it, it gives me goosebumps uh, to think what God is doing among the Batwa tribe, the, the pygmies that are in Uganda. That was another uh, place that I had been right before the pandemic. And, uh, and the door was open to go in and preach the gospel there. And then we got shut down. And when we came back in, uh, it, it wasn't that a bunch of churches had started, but they were just so open and so ready that when we came back uh, this this last year and followed up preaching there, the uh, it's a village of 60-so people. Um, in two and a half weeks that I was there preaching every day, we saw 31 or 32 saved and baptized uh, during during that time. Um, but that, that doesn't just happen. You don't just walk into a village where the gospel has never been preached and, and see half the village get saved in, in a day. That, that, that doesn't happen. They need to have heard the gospel. The, the gospel needs time to have worked in their hearts, the Holy Spirit, uh, convicting them and convincing them of the truth and just preparing that ground. And then the time comes, you come back in, you follow up on that, and, and there's, there's a harvest that, that takes place. And so that is uh, very, very encouraging. There is a strong foundation for uh, the church laid among the Batwa tribe in, in Uganda, it's a pygmy tribe. They're right next to the border of Congo. And there is a missionary that is permanent in country there that uh, he, has a, he has a Bible institute, uh, Brother Matt Stensis, good man of God. Uh, he's got a Bible institute. He's, um, he's, he works with men that, that he's training for the ministry and sending out. But then also they have a, a team of Bible translators. They're translating the Bible into um, local dialects. Just there's so many local dialects there in, uh, in that part of Uganda, in that part of Africa. And, and so the, the men that he sent with me when I went out there uh, to go preach, the men that he sent to translate for me, uh, most of them were seminary students. Most of them were uh, Bible translator uh, workers in that. And so they, uh, they translated for me. I was there for two and a half weeks. I preached five and a half to six hours a day. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, <laughs> What we can do here in America is not the same as what we can do in, in certain in certain cultures. Uh, but but we would we would meet in the morning and preach hour and a half to two hours, and then we would have another 
hour and a half, two hour session in the afternoon of, of discipleship session. And then in the evening, another two to three hours uh, of, of preaching every, every evening. And we did that every day. We took a couple days off in two and a half weeks. I burned through seven translators. Uh, <laughs> Brother Stencils was wise and he kept sending me replacements because it was, it's hard work uh, out there. But these people are so hungry for the word. It's just, oh, it's unbelievable to get to stand there. And I tell you, it's, it's, what's amazing is you're standing there and you're preaching and, and translators wearing out. And he's like the sixth translator I've, I've worn through. And I'm going, where am I getting this energy from? This is God. This is God. This is not, it's not me. I'm not Superman. I mean, I'm, look at me. <laughs> this is God that is doing this. And, uh, and I, wasn't, I wasn't getting a, a lot of sleep. It's not like I was you know, being well-fed and well-rested the whole time because what would happen is I'd be preaching all day. And then we would get back to the lodge where we were sleeping. The government wouldn't allow us to uh, sleep there in the, the Pygmy Village. So we, we had to get a place uh, a little ways down the road from, from there. And so we'd go back to that. And then the questions would start because I had been teaching all day. Basically, I was preaching through the entire Bible. And, and so these, these seminary students, they're hungry for the word too. And, and there would be something I would have said during the day. They'd be like, wait a minute, you said this and i've been waiting all day to get back here and ask you about that and and we would uh and and, and you know me brother do i like to answer questions <laughs> so long answers yeah not short answers it'd be like well there's this person and that connects over to this person that can and so you know midnight one o'clock two o'clock in, in the morning you know we finally wrap it up get a little bit of sleep and then we're out early again back uh preaching uh in the in the village out there bundibujo with the, with the Batwa tribe. Those are fun words to say, aren't they? Bundibujo and, and Batwa tribe. I get to go to these places. And I get to preach the gospel in places where nobody has preached the gospel before. And, and I very often I get to baptize in rivers that nobody has ever baptized in. And it's amazing. It's amazing to see what God does. And I'm not going to pretend that, uh, that the price isn't high. Uh, it, it, the price is high. Um, I, you know, when, I, when I'm on these trips, I miss my family. When, I, when I'm on these trips, I miss, this is, this is a missionary heart condition, this type of, of missions, the traveling missions. It doesn't matter where I am, I'm missing half a dozen other places. I mean, I love being with you guys. This is a home to me. This is, this is one of, of our homes. The, the Lord promised that anybody who leaves family or home or land for his sake, they will now in this lifetime receive a hundredfold homes and family and land. I used to wonder like, how does that work? I, I'm, I'm beginning to understand that. I, I have a lot of homes around, around the world, around America and many different countries. And this is, is home to me. I, I love being here. I love being with you guys. I love getting to, to share these things with you. But when I'm here, I'm, I'm missing somewhere else. And when I'm there, I'm missing here and I'm missing somewhere else and somewhere else and somewhere else. I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a heart condition that, uh, <laughs> that comes with, with this job. But man, it is wonderful. It is wonderful to, to get to do this. It's wonderful to get to come and, and share with you. One of the things uh, that I, I almost preached on tonight um, was, was that what one of the parts of the job description of Paul and Barnabas was to cause joy in the churches. You see in Acts 15 as they're traveling up uh, to Jerusalem, as they're passing through the churches, they, they report back on what God has been doing among the Gentiles. And it says they caused great joy among the churches. And, uh, and Paul, that, if, you were, if you were here for Sunday school this morning, I talked about that, that Greek word, synergos, that it's like that synergy word. 
Paul used that word, and he said, we are fellow helpers of your joy. And, and that's, that's very interesting that, that, that he's saying that, that we, we work together and we cause joy in the churches. And so if, if watching that causes you joy, if, if hearing the report of what God is doing in Uganda, if that causes you joy, that's biblical. That's, that's, that's part of the biblical uh, just definition of, of the work of a missionary is, is to cause that. Now, my next trip, we just did that trip very recently. That was just last month. Um, my next trip is in a couple of weeks, I'm heading back to Peru and oh man, I am so excited. I almost, if I was superstitious, I'd have my fingers crossed and my toes crossed and my arms crossed because I have been trying to get back into Peru for three years. And, uh, one thing after another has prevented it for the first two years. It was COVID. Um, the, Peru was one of the most locked down countries in the world, just ridiculously locked down. And when they finally opened back up, the president, the new president of, of Peru, decided he was going to be a dictator and declared that Congress was dissolved. And Congress didn't like that, so they impeached him and uh, threw him in prison, which made his vice president the first female president of Peru. And people didn't like it that the new president is only president because she happened to be the vice president of the guy who went crazy and tried to take over the country. So that caused riots. And uh, I mean, like real riots, not 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 insurrection, like actual riots where they're burning buses in, in the streets and chopping down trees. And, and it, it was, it's bad. It's been bad for months and months. That is finally starting to calm down. And it looks like, Lord willing, finally, I'm going to be able to get back uh, into, into Peru. Peru is home. I mean, I said I have a lot of homes. I lived in Peru for 10 years. Peru is home. And, and we have missed it greatly. Um, and we've missed the people there greatly. And uh, one of the things that I'm so excited about this trip is that Eddie, if you saw the, the presentation video this morning, he was, he was a guy that was strumming on the guitar in several different, different shots, uh, and he and I walking together. Eddie is a man that, uh, that worked with me for um, eight of the 10 years, the last eight of the 10 years that I was living in Peru. I trained him. I ordained him to the ministry. Uh, he's, he's just been a faithful man of God. Um, he's been single his whole life. Um, not that he didn't feel that he had the gift of singlehood. He just never met, uh, the right lady and he is now engaged and it's, uh, I'm, we're so, we're so excited for him that God has answered those, those prayers. And so one of the things that I'm really looking forward to doing when I get back, uh, to Peru here in, in a couple of weeks is, is doing a, a deep dive Bible study on the subject of marriage with Eddie and basically doing pre premarital counseling, uh, with, with him and his fiance. Uh, getting ready there. She seems to be a, an, an amazing lady. Uh, she's, she's been single her whole life. I don't know her age, uh, but Eddie's almost 50, and um, she's, she's been a single lady for a long time and has just worked in missions, just worked with her church, taking missions trips into uh, tribal areas of Peru, and so uh, she and Eddie, it seems like they were made for each other, and uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm so thrilled about that. Um, and that's something that um, your pastor asked me to just go ahead and, and mention to y'all. Up to this point, because Eddie has been single, he has lived on next to nothing. Uh, I send him a little bit every month. There's, uh, there's, a, there's a church here in America that the pastor came down and, uh, and visited us and was really impressed with Eddie. And they send a little bit uh, for us to send down to, to him every month. And he has a couple of other <clears throat> little sources of income. But uh, he's lived on next to nothing, and he's lived in... Uh, just kind of an unfinished shack, basically. 
and very content to, to do so. Uh, but he's getting married now, and, and so he, he's going to need some support. And I, I, will be, I will be asking my supporting churches to consider taking him on uh, for a little bit of support. He doesn't, he doesn't need a ton of money, but, but he is a man that is worthy of support. The man has been faithful for years. Uh, as I said, I, I trained him myself. I, I know his doctrine. I know his teaching. Um, his, he was my right-hand man for years down there. And then when I, when I left, when God had us move our base of operations back here to the States, I cannot describe to you how hard that decision was for us to do that. If I had not been able to leave Eddie there with those people, I don't know if I would have been able to do it. It's harder than, uh, than anybody would be able to realize if you haven't been in that situation. And uh, having Eddie there <clears throat> and knowing that I can trust him, knowing that he is truly a man of God, uh, was, was the only way that it could, that it could work for me to, to be able to, to move on and broaden our ministry and be able to work on a global scale. Um, I would have been very, very content to stay there in Peru and just work locally and just work among the tribes there in Peru. I was, I was happy doing that. And God said, no, I have a bigger plan. <laughs> I have much, much more for you to do. And I was very happy just doing that. Uh, but when it did come time to, uh, to move and come back here, being able to leave Eddie in, in charge there uh, made all the difference in the world. And he has been, he's been so faithful and he's, he has bigger vision than, than I do. He's, he's broadened things down there. It's not like he just kind of was just keeping things going the same. He's taken things beyond what I, what I thought to do. Uh, down there, and he's actually working in multiple areas there in, in Peru, and he is, uh, he's, he's a good man, and so I do want to recommend him to you uh, for the consideration of, of support, and if not monthly support, to be able to finish up the place that he's living in um, to where it really would be kind of respectable to bring a bride in. Um, he probably needs about $2,500 to, uh, to be able to do that. He's, he's been willing to live in just, you know, he doesn't care what, you know, what he lives in. Um, and, I, and I'm the same. If I, was, if I was living by myself or when I'm on these trips and it's just me and the guys, I don't care what I sleep in. I don't, I don't care where, where we're staying. Um, but when you have a family, then that's, that's a different, that's a different uh, subject. And that's something that he and I have been talking about. We stay in touch through WhatsApp. Uh, and, and so that's something we've been talking about as he feels the responsibility of God has brought this lady into his life. Um, and, and he's, he knows that it's God's will for, for them to get married, but that brings a lot more responsibility on him. So I wanted to share that with you all. Um, man, there is, I know there's so, so much more that, uh, that I could share that we could get into as far as what God's doing. We've got, uh, we've got training camps. We've got who will go camps. We've got uh, uh, beyond border camps. There's, there's so much stuff going on uh, here in America in between the, the international trips. Um, we stay busy. <laughs> and uh, and God is good. He allows us to to do all of these things. But uh, I, I do want to get into the the word tonight, and I am I am aware of the time. So let's take our Bibles and turn to John chapter fifteen. And uh, if you're able, let's stand for the reading of the word in John chapter fifteen. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. 
Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, I, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for the power that is in it to change our lives. God, for the power that is in it to conform us to your image. I pray, Father, that you would take uh, these few minutes that we have here, that you would fill me with your spirit, and that you would allow me to return a little bit of blessing to these people that have been such a blessing to, to me and my family and our ministry. Lord, I pray that you would use me to edify your people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Y'all can be seated. <clears throat> this is a just such a beautiful passage of scripture, and, and yet it is a passage that can be a little bit confusing and can be a little bit controversial and, uh, and can be misunderstood, and I like those. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm just ornery, but I, I like the difficult passages. What I have found in, in my life of studying the Bible, what I found is that when you come across a passage of Scripture that's a little difficult, that doesn't really make sense the first time you read it through, the way that it's worded, or that possibly seems to contradict something else in Scripture, most, I think most of us, as we come to those passages, as we're reading through them, we just kind of speed up <laughs> and just kind of go past them real quick. And, and, and I, I understand that, but I don't think that was the Lord's intention. I think those passages are meant to be speed bumps, to slow us down, to catch our attention. I found that the difficult passages of Scripture very often are like an X marks the spot. There's treasure here. Dig. Dig right here. There's, there's good truth. And, and, and the very fact that it didn't flow easily or that it, it seemed like there's sort of a hiccup in, in what it's saying there. I think very often it's that he's actually trying to get our attention and, and, and show us something. And, and there's, there's something in the way that Jesus spoke here that could be easily misunderstood. And I think he did it on purpose because I think he wanted us to really chew on this, to really meditate on it and find the answer. And I love, I love getting into the word of God and, and finding passages that, that maybe have been controversial or misunderstood and I love just reading them over and over and over again while praying and asking God, please, show me the answer. God, would, would you show me, what did you mean by that? Why did you word it that way? What was it that you're wanting us to get out of this? And I can't tell you how many times after doing that, just finally I'll read through it again, and it'll be like, oh, that was obvious. It wasn't obvious. It wasn't. But it becomes obvious because the Holy Spirit reveals them to us. And, and then uh, one of my greatest joys is to be able to take one of those things, like a little treasure. I'm like a little kid and I found something. I'm going to run and I'm going to, hey, everybody, look at this. Isn't this neat? Uh, the Bible talks about, you know, that, that, um, that a man can be like a man who, who takes out of his treasure house things old and new and, and shows them. And that's what it's like to preach. Sometimes you're bringing out just an old, tried and true truth. 
and, and you're bringing that out. And sometimes there's something that's a little bit new and, and it's fresh and, and you're bringing that forth and, and bringing it out of your treasure house uh, to, to share. And that's what preaching can, can be like. That's what teaching can be like. And that's why I love getting to preach and teach. So here, what I want us to see, what I believe the Lord wants us to see here uh, today is that in John chapter 15, uh, there are three branches that are mentioned. Some people, as they read that, they get a little bit scared and they're afraid that this passage is saying that you could be in Christ and then get out of Christ and be cast into hell. There's some people that they use this passage, they twist it, they misunderstand it, and they use it to teach that you can lose your salvation. And I have I've debated many a charismatic, uh, many a Pentecostal. You will find them on every continent. Uh, and, and, and so you run into them. And I've had this conversation in more than one language on more than one continent where it's, it's the same old stuff that, that they bring up. And this passage is very often brought up. And it's like, yeah, but if you don't stay in him, if you don't keep yourself in him, then you are going to be cast forth as a branch and withered and burned. And that's cast into the lake of fire. Okay, so I want us to actually look and, and notice here. There are three branches mentioned. Two of them, he specifically says, are in me. One of them is not in me. So the two that are in him is, uh, is in, we find in verse 2. It says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So there are two kinds of branches in Christ. There are those that are producing fruit, and there are those that are not producing fruit. Now, some people would have a problem with that. Some people would, would preach, if you're not producing fruit, you're not saved. Well, that's not biblical. It's, he's clearly saying there are two kinds of branches in me. There are those who don't produce fruit, and uh, there's going to be some repercussions if you don't produce fruit. Uh, and then there are those that do produce fruit, and if you do produce fruit, he's going to prune you, and you're not going to enjoy it, but it's worth it. Is <laughs> what, he, what he's saying. He's, he's going to prune you. You're going to go through something. It might be a little bit uncomfortable, but it's worth it because you are then going to produce more fruit. Now, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. What does it mean that he takes this branch away? Well, there are two, I believe, biblically consistent possible understandings of that. And I actually think the Lord delights in double meanings in Scripture. I think a lot of times he actually means there's a primary meaning of it, but then a lot of times I think he likes that there's a secondary way that it could be understood. Uh, that, that the term taketh away in, in Greek, that's one word, and it, it, is, it is a word that implies to, to lift up to take away, but not just to take away in any direction. It's to take away in an upward direction. Now, there are those who, who study uh, the, the, the art of vine dressing and, and um, being a husbandman, and they say that what, what will happen is a lot of times the vine, some of these branches will come out, and they'll, they'll get down into the dirt, and if they're down in the dirt, they can't produce fruit. And so then what a good husbandman will do is he will come along, and he will see this branch that is down in the dirt, and he will take it away from the dirt, he'll lift it up and he'll place a rock underneath it and prop it up with this rock. And now that it is out of the dirt and it is lifted up and placed upon the rock, it can actually produce fruit. And I'm saying, thinking, wow, that could preach. Um, that, that, that sounds good. And I do believe that is a valid interpretation of what he means by taketh away. I'm not sure it's the primary one, but I do think he, I think he wanted us to find that. I think he wanted us to see that. Um, but there is a 
there is kind of a sister passage that the same author wrote. Uh, John wrote to us in 1 John. Let's go over to 1 John chapter 5. We're coming right back to John 15. But I, I do want us to understand what I believe is the primary meaning of, uh, of that passage. John, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. That if, does, that, does that sound familiar? Or, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And, we know, and if we know that he heareth whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So he's talking about the assurance of prayer. If we're praying according to his will, that's a sister passage. There in John 15, he's talking about the fact that we can ask anything in his name and it will be done. But now read verse 16. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. I think that's pretty clear. I think it's self-explanatory. Christians can sin to a point where God says, you know what? I'm taking you away. And I do believe that is the primary interpretation uh, of, of what he says. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Could there be sort of a process of, okay, he will try to lift us up out of the dirt and prop us up and give us a chance to, to bear fruit? I think, obviously, it, he's, he gives people a chance. But there does come a point where he says, even though you are in me, even though you are saved, there is a sin unto death. Well, when that person dies, where do they go? Well, they go to heaven. He doesn't say that this person is taken away and cast into hell. The branch that is in him that does not bear fruit, he taketh away. And it, it's given with a word that specifically means upward. He taketh away in an upward direction. So you could see somebody harden their heart that is, they are in him. They are a believer. They have been born again. They sin a sin unto death. They do not produce fruit. They harden their hearts, and the Lord may just say, you know what? Enough. I'm, I'm taking you out. And that is, I believe that is very scriptural. Now, then we get down to verse 6. He says, if a man abide not in me. He didn't say, if you left being in me. This branch is not in Christ. This branch does not live in Christ. In the metaphor, branches are people. I think that... That should be pretty self-explanatory. Some people are saved and some people are not saved. If you are a branch that is not in him, you are a person that is not saved. Those branches, if they will not be in him, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and may gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. So there are three branches in this context. Two of them are in him. One of them is not. The only one that gets cast into fire is the branch that is not in him. It does not say you were in me and now you're not. He's, if you were not in Christ, if you are not in Christ, you've never been in Christ. Notice verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. This picture of being in Christ and Christ being in us, it appears over and over and over in Scripture. And that is what is so beautiful about the ordinances. We have two ordinances. One of them, you get plunged into something. And you only do that once. 
if it's done properly, you only do that once. That is not to be repeated over and over again. When we get baptized into baptistry, that is a symbol of justification, which only happens once. That is, you have been plunged into Christ. You have been hidden in Christ. You abide in him. You are a branch in the vine, inside of him. You are hid. Your life is hid in him. Then you have the Lord's Supper. Well, we do that repeatedly. The Lord's Supper is more of a symbol of the sanctification aspect of salvation, which is something that is ongoing and something that we do. We continue taking of him and partaking of him, and he becomes a part of us, and we become conformed into his image, and that's something that we do over and over and over again, and you should never quit it. Abide in me and I in you. There's two prerequisites. First, be in him, and then him be in you. Notice in verse 7, he clarifies, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. That's two prerequisites. One is to be in him. Now, you could be in him and not be in his word, not have his word being, being ingested into you, not, not being conformed into his image because you are constantly looking at his image in the mirror. It, that, because of that, you may not be producing fruit, in which case you can't claim this that you can ask what you will and it will be done unto you. You might be in him, but you're not partaking of him. Just as a branch might legitimately be a part of the vine, but if it gets cut off from, from the sap, from the lifeblood of the vine flowing into it, it's not going to produce fruit. It's still a part of the same plant. But it's not going to produce fruit if it's not just in the vine, but the vine flowing through it. So there are two prerequisites here. Abiding in him and having him abide in you, specifically having his words abide in you. He is the word. That's, that's not a coincidence. With, that he is called the word, and that this is called the word? I told you God delights in double meanings, right? That's, that's, that's not an accident. That's on purpose. How do we have Christ abiding in us and, and flowing through us and producing fruit through us? It's through his word. As we are in his word and his words abide in us, as we sit under preaching, as we, as we listen to the word in, in audio, as we read the word, as we meditate on the word, and his words abide in us. We're in him. You get into him once, just like you get baptized once. You are justified once and for all, and then you are in him. Now, you may or may not then become a branch that produces fruit. If you refuse to produce fruit, if you're in him, but his word is not abiding in you, his words are not abiding in you, you're not going to be producing fruit. You could find yourself in that situation where you're a Christian who has sinned a sin unto death, and he may just say, it's time to take you away. So there's two prerequisites here to producing fruit and to having prayers answered. And those apply to the branches that are in him. You have to not just be in him. You got into him when you got saved, when you were born again. You were plunged into him, and your life was hid in him. And that is why we only baptize properly once. But then, oh, the, the process of sanctification, that ongoing life of sanctification as we continue to take him in, and he becomes just the, the lifeblood of our lives, of our way. We begin producing fruit. We begin seeing answered prayer, and we do produce fruit. You cut that off. 
If you cut that off and you stop getting into his word, you separate yourself from sitting under, under the preaching of God's word, you're still in him. You're a branch that is in him. But you stop receiving his word and his words are not abiding in you anymore. You're not going to be producing fruit and you are heading into dangerous territory. You're not the branch that's going to be cast out into fire. That's a branch that's not even in him. That's a separate subject. That's why he separated them by several verses. It's, it's not the same thing. Everybody's a branch in the metaphor. You're either a branch that's in him or you're a branch not in him. If you're a branch that's in him, the message is don't just rest on the fact that you are in him. Well, that's wonderful that you are in him. But don't just rest on that. Be partaking of him. Be drinking him. Be eating him. Be, be taking him in and making him your nourishment. And you will produce fruit. And he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, thank you again for your word and for the power of it, that even in just a few minutes, God, you could, you could work a work in our lives. You could encourage us. You could possibly rebuke us if we need it. You could give us a reminder if we need it, God, or you could just encourage us that we're on the right path. Thank you, Father, that having believed on you, we are in you. And, oh, God, help us to remember to have your words abiding in us. Help us to remember to continue partaking of you and producing fruit. We thank you and praise you for these things. In Jesus' precious name, amen.